Race Relations in Northern Ireland, Past, Present and Future An MME Matters video and podcast series from the Migrant and Minority Ethnic Think Tank Part 5 Opening Spaces With Nandi Jola, Leo Brown and Tunde Adeoshan Presented by me, Morris McCartney Hi, my name is Leo Brown. Um, yeah, so a bit of my background would be I've been brought up in Northern Ireland. I'm 20 years old. So I've been living in Northern Ireland for 17 years now. Uh, I've moved away for three. Um, grew up, played for all the football uh, youth systems, played for Northern Ireland up to under 19s. Um, I have a lot of like, experience in football. I've done coaching when I was in England, got my coaching badges. Um, yeah, so I'd say I'm a pretty active member in the Northern Ireland community as a whole in terms of representation. I'm Nandi Jola. I'm originally from South Africa and I came to live in Northern Ireland in 2001. I'm currently a full-time student after I've worked in the arts for almost um, 20 years. I'm now back at doing my master's in poetry you know, and alongside my own work, which is, a, you know, poetry, which I've already published. So it, I think it's it's good for my CV. Was uh, I'm looking to teach creative writing at tertiary level, which is in university level. So my my, my name is Tunde Stevenson Adioshin. Uh, I'm an accountant by profession, and I have my own practice uh, in East Belfast, uh, City East Business Center. Uh, I've been um, on my own for the last 10, 11 years that I've been practicing. I'm originally from, from Nigeria, from West Africa. Yeah, I always tell people that I came here without knowing where Northern Ireland was. It was just an opportunistic moment where it, you know, it, it was available in terms of getting a, a work permit to come here. So I wasn't a, an asylum seeker or refugee, but I was just an economic migrant. And uh, part of me thought, you know, what could I lose? I was young, probably naive, probably stupid, but uh, I <laughs> didn't care. All those ingredients put together were, were good for me because I'm quite, um, you know, a proactive person anyway. So I knew I would be doing something I enjoyed anywhere in the world. I had writing with me. So I came to Northern Ireland and fortunately enough or unfortunate enough, things didn't work out as I planned, but because I had the writing, I, I, could, I could even tell about the unfortunate <laughs> circumstances in my writing. So um, I, I find that very useful to, ha to have had something as a tool that I could always bring with me. It's like a, you know, like a craftsman. If you can build a house, you can live anywhere in the world. Uh, same with poetry or writing. If you can write, you can, you can live anywhere in the world, even in the wilderness. I'd say like from growing up again, for me, it was predominantly white, you know, early 2000s. I, I'm pretty sure me and my brother were one of the very few, well, me and him were only two black people in our year. Um, there was a few like Filipino uh, was very was was quite actually quite popular. Um, I think I mean popular, isn't it? Was you know there was a quite a few there was a few of them there. It wasn't, but and just generally like up my street, um, anywhere I went, my football team all all white, you know. Um, but now, 
I think it was more towards 2013, 2014. Uh, I sort of noticed there was a lot more when I went into town. I see a lot. Um, we have this thing where we always generally talk to each other or like nod our heads and things like that. So, um, and then it was when I came back actually in 2019, I was walking down like Bangor and I saw this this, this guy and I was like, I've never seen you, but what, what, what are you doing here? <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? It's like, I'm like at the, it got to a point where I was, I was like, yeah, there's, why is, I was like, mom, who, who are the, all these people? Like, where do they come from? And <laughs> when did they come here? Because ba- Bangor in particular, there's, it, I do. I didn't know really anyone that was even mixed race uh, from Bangor. I know one girl, uh, Kadi, she got the train with. Uh, I was by it. So I think definitely over the last, since, well, since about 27, 2015 onwards, I've noticed, especially up in uh, like Port Down, Armyre, there's a lot. I know a lot of them uh, up there. And so it's, it's nice to see. I guess uh, I read on. I think it was uh, an interview that you had done that in some ways you came to Northern Ireland from South Africa and in some ways there were some similarities uh, in terms of sort of post-conflict situation. Perhaps on Northern Ireland it wasn't quite as big a scale, mm-hmm. but you find it was there were certain similarities that reminded you of. Yeah, what? certainly. I mean, the first ones that are very obvious is the imagery around Belfast and the street names and... Uh, building names, uh, you have the Mandela Hall at Queens, you have the mural of Mandela in Falls, uh, you also have the street names and you have then the anti-apartheid movement which started in, you know, in, in the south in Duns, but it spread across north very quickly and people boycotted South African goods in solidarity. So when you hear things like that, uh, you cannot just think for me personally, I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm here. And it's more of uh, sometimes people in of Northern Ireland needed to see the freedom that they helped create in me. And I find that uh, I, I'm, I'm spreading on that message that thank you for what you did. You know, I am free today and uh, I'm here to tell the story that freed us. I came to Northern Ireland in 2009 Okay. And I started my practice between 2010-11. Um, there's this uh, organization called the African Caribbean Chamber of Commerce, Northern Ireland, um, which uh, is an independent body, uh, but was uh, set up based on uh, Mr. Alfred Abolari, uh, who was then uh, the manager for Axoni. Axony seems to be like the like the umbrella for for African and Caribbean people mm. that are settled in, in Northern Ireland. And so I think um, he came with that project then, uh, looking at business people and thinking what kind of um, help you know um, we could get for ourselves. So this organization was launched um, in Stormont on the 4th of February, 2012. Uh, I think naturally being by the kind of um, professional that I mean, um, having my own practice and being a business advisor and consultant, uh, tax advisor and accountant, all in one, uh, I think was just a natural thing for, for me to be nominated to head the organization. 
Uh, so it was launched uh, on, like I said, in February 2012 by Stephen Agnew, MLA then of the Green Party. The whole idea about the African and Caribbean Chamber of Commerce, you know, has to do with um, um, Africans and Caribbeans that are doing business in Northern Ireland or are looking at setting up their own business in Northern Ireland uh, just to show that uh, Northern Ireland is ready for them. Um, for the fact that me, myself, and a couple of other professionals have set up their own different businesses, whether it's an African shop, whether it's a cleaning company, an accounting firm, you know, all sorts, you know, that means that there was confidence, you know, um, in the environment for us to say, you know, we can set up, you know, these businesses in the community. And that way to encourage more people in our community to also come in and to get to know that they also can do same. Because sometimes it, it can be that people are not sure that you know, if I set up a business, am I sure I'm gonna make money? Is anybody gonna know? Maybe because they think they are different or something like that, you know. But seeing we that have gone forth and doing well you know, gives them the confidence to say, okay, you know, if they can do it, then, you know, there's nothing wrong in us also trying. I just finished um, a creative, four creative writing projects, and I need to be editing the work as well because I facilitated them for the anthologies. So I get that I need now to have those skills. Four anthologies altogether, that's, a, that's quite a lot of editing and, and work to be getting on with. I, I guess you're pretty busy and you also teach. It's a, yeah, it's a good experience for me to be able to facilitate and edit, you know, and alongside my own work, which is, a, you know, poetry, which I've already published. So I'm currently teaching at Alsa University uh, in a course called uh, Books Beyond Boundaries. It's the first one in Northern Ireland. It's teaching about Afrofuturism which is a new concept altogether where we imagine alternative realities for black people. That's fascinating and, and, and interesting uh, because we're actually recording this during Black History Month. So you've, you've got uh, Black History and, and Afrofuturism put together. We've got uh, a good yeah. time span there. But you've also got uh, an interest in uh, you've started your own business, is that right? You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, my business partner, Emil, He's been my one of my close friends since 2011, 2010, so 10, 10, 11 years now. And he's just been like, he's just like a tech guru. He's like a wizard when it comes to just anything, anything that he, anything that can be built. So he, he's building his own boat. You know, he's like, he's just like a, just a magician when it comes to things like that. And uh, I always find it really interesting. I love computers and coding and things like that. Um, I was always in when I was in like Pete when I was like eight. I was always into like powerpoints and just make. I used to just go home and sit like an hour or two and make a powerpoint for my dad and mum to see. Like I just loved it. Uh, so uh, he got me into building computers and things like that. So I was just like, you know, we do it for fun. Why don't we uh, start a wee business? Because the trend is people go to big companies and buy like a. It's called a pre-build. 
mm. and they're just they're scams like ripoffs. They are like so bad. Uh, you can you can obviously get good ones, but the pay, the price you pay for something mediocre is ridiculous. And I was like I I I hate seeing my my friend got one. Um, I know someone who got one the other day. Uh, he spent thirteen hundred and something that would have cost eight hundred to build. For me, it's, you know, it's a lot of money. Like you lose night. So that's where we came from. We were any, so we did it together. So yeah, we have a build a business. We build uh, custom PCs and uh, we do repairs and things like that. We're starting to expand. We're going to start expanding night soon, and we're going to we're going to actually rebrand. Right. And because at the minute we're just sort of local, we do a lot of work with uh, people in Bangor, uh, County Antrim. Uh, usually is what we get a lot of work for. Um, we do ship to UK. We have a lot of orders. I recently did a PC for a DJ in Scotland. Gosh. Who does Coachella and things like that. So he's, he's pretty big. His name's Sam, Sam Galtry. Right. Um, did a PC for him, which was great. It was really good. It was a, that was a big project for me and uh, Emil because it was our, it was our first big um, PC that wasn't for gaming. Usually PCs generally for gaming but it was a whole different sort of set of skills we had to use to make sure we got the PC that was right for him um, to excel at what he does so there you go That's... it's been it's been a journey and uh, I remember then when I when I was thinking of setting up I went for the go for it program which uh, helps uh, startup people you know telling them step-by-step process of setting up a business you know not so many people in my community knew about it then, but I did my research and I knew about it. So I went for it and it was quite, um, uh, in fact, I had the, the training at my present office, uh, which is the East Belfast Enterprise. They did the training, it was for about three weeks, you know, went for the training. And the good thing was that uh, it was a follow through process. So it was a good program. You know that, you know from 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 conception to actual launching of your business and continuity. I mean, it was all it was all based all in one. So it was easy for me to 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 transcend from um, having that idea in my head, going for the training, and then the follow up, setting up the business, and then renting out somewhere, you know, to do my practice, you know, and constant ongoing support mm -hmm. uh, in terms of business growth also coming from there so that was Very that good. was quite uh, quite uh, it was a good help and because i went through that it was easy for me to let my community know yeah. that this exists and you also can plug into the program from your perspective have you seen northern Ireland becoming more open becoming more relaxed about diversity what do you think how are we doing <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the choice of words. Um, they're uh, open. You, you only need a template. And the template, the most recent template is Brexit and this protocol, don't you, to measure that. And um, there'll always be something. Uh, it just reminds me of uh, Toni Morrison's quote where it says, racism is just another thing, you know, to keep you thinking about all these things. It, it doesn't get you anywhere. And then Audre Lorde's quote that says that I have no creative use for guilt, yours or mine. You know, um, 
So as soon as we start talking about these things honestly and openly, we are only playing diversity. We are only doing tokenism because where does diversity need to be? It needs to be in the decision-making so that you know it, it, it's representative. So um, I've been here 20 years. For me personally, I have seen it in, in me, the change that I wanted to see because I have asked for it. And uh, I, I mean, again, that comes with a, a knowledge of a lot of things and uh, sometimes English being my first language. So having no barriers when I came to Northern Ireland, straight in, and also an education you know, just needing to further my education. So already had a degree. So not to say that people that come here with no degree or no level of English, you know, can't, are not capable of doing anything, but I'm just saying sometimes it is an advantage to have that, you know, to know how the law works and to read the law and to know when you're being discriminated and to know when something is wrong. Uh, a good example of that, I, I was in, well, I was going for an interview for an, an employment uh, opportunity that I, I found and I was discriminated at interview stage. And I was, um, I did raise that up that, um, and it was a health sector and I took them to a tribunal. And I had no representation. I represented myself because I knew the law well. I, my degree is in human resources management, and part of that is labor law. So I told them. So I had the facts there, and I didn't need to be told otherwise because I was so sure of my my knowledge in the law. So uh, sometimes um, that helps when you you know when you aware. And uh, I would get, uh, for example, uh, my daughter's born here. You get, uh, you know, things in 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 the in, in letter from the school telling you to, the child's hair needs to be tidy. Excuse me, the child's hair is natural. It's in its natural form. So I had issues with the educational authority where I had to go and represent myself. So, uh, so yes, it it comes with the knowledge of you no know, people that come here are not stupid. They have their prior uh, you know um knowledge of their they just need uh, opportunities you know i needed opportunities to publish i needed opportunities to to present my work you know i'm i'm not Seamus Hinia. i never claimed to be i never will be i don't write about the place i don't know about but there was something in my story that people are interested in and that's what that's what i created for myself that space and I needed people to listen uh, so the Arts Council had a responsibility to me as an artist was not known in Northern Ireland to say we are willing to support you so um, change I have seen it in personal level because I, I, I've made those um, those bold you know um, stand off but I'm, I'm just wondering for somebody that is so vulnerable and um, you know, even, you know, the law, I mentioned that when I came here, I came, you know, on a five-year work permit. So somebody who's coming here who doesn't have a work permit, who's still depending on the state, who's being uh, racially discriminated in, in some cases, because we know that even, you know, the immigration can be, um, you know, the laws can be very racist when it comes to the tiering of, for example, asylum seekers, and <laughs> not all of them are equal in the law. And, um, Yes, this immigration, um, anti-migrant and, you know, deportation and things like that. So how can you do have a voice or, or stand up for yourself when you're in fear, you know? So those are the issues for me. 
and and then you come to education. I'm currently um, facilitating. There's a program that's coming up. It's called Speaking Truth to Power, and I'm one of the facilitators. And my topic is decolonizing the education, mm. because uh, in Northern Ireland, we don't even have one book at GCSE or A levels that uh, there's a black author. And they keep thinking that to kill a mockingbird is diversity. <laughs> it's problematic <laughs> to say the list and the language is racist. So for me, that's a, that's the issue as an artist, as a writer. I want to see, you know, there's a lot of black poets and mm. novelists, uh, you know, Maori Blackman, Nuts and Crosses. We have Ben Okri, we have Lam say we have Nandi Jola. Come on, give us something in the curricula that is um, that shows diversity. Yeah, so there's plenty to choose, choose from. So that's one, one, one recommendation then. Yes. Get some of that onto the curriculum. Yeah. yeah if you're listening, education minister. I've always I've already had a couple of meetings with the education authority, okay. but education minister now is your chance. Yes. Okay. Uh, if let's let's keep that ball rolling. Then what what else would you want our politicians and decision makers, our ministers? What what would you say? What's your will be your priority for them to get on with. Integrated education would be, you know, it's it's doable. Let's talk about, you know, things that are achievable uh, and, you know, and so, uh, for example, we have schools for Protestants or Catholics only. What if you're a Muslim? You know, what if uh, you only eat halal food? Then you starve, you know? We celebrate St. Patrick's, let's widen the calendar, for example. We're celebrating St. Patrick's Chinese New Year, but nobody knows when Africa Week is. Do you know, Morris? I, I, I couldn't tell you when Africa Week is, no. Exactly. Um. <laughs> it's, it's, it's in May. Okay. So Africa Week is in May. So, for example, let's have all this, let's have all this in the calendar. Let's have the Chinese New Year, Africa Week. Let's have, uh, you know, Black History Month. Let's have all the events in, in the one calendar and let the schools know exactly, you know, when they are and they can be celebrated. Do you think the, um, uh, the local community is, is um, uh, growing in awareness and, and acceptance of, uh, you know? Yeah, I would, I, I really would think so. I mean, when I, for example, when, when I started, you know, um, of course there was that thing, you know, at the back of your mind that will you be accepted, you know, someone wants to use a service or whatever, you know, and um, you realize that down the line, you know, there were some one or two incidences, you know, that stood out, but by and large, in general, you know, it's, it's, it's been fantastic. Uh, as soon as you get, um, uh, you have the the locals that you are doing things for you, you, you just see how they don't care about who you are, where you come from. The most important thing is that the service you are, or the product that you are, you know, that you're selling, you know, are you selling it properly? Are you delivering the correct way? Do you do the right thing? That's what they're concerned about. So far, their work is done. You know? So you'd say you're uh, optimistic about the, the future for... African Caribbean entrepreneurs and, and uh, oh, yes. wealth community wealth building oh, within yes. the, the yes. community. I think I think um, um, I think um, somebody done a research one time. Um, I, I was part of that research, and we went out to actually 
sample people's opinion about the different communities in Northern Ireland. And I remember we had, um, we designed a questionnaire and we put it out. And there was one question there uh, that said, if you think of a Chinese, what comes to mind? And people will say, oh, Chinese, uh, Chinese shops or Chinese takeaways. Yeah. If you think of uh, the Indians, what comes to mind? So, you know, laundry, corner shops, you know, or this uh, business, whatever. But the, the, the part that was interesting was when you said, when we asked the question, if you think of um, black people in general, you know, African Caribbeans, whatever, what do you think? And the first thing that comes to mind is asylum seeker. Right. <laughs> okay. yeah. You know, so that shows me that the way it's, you know, we, you know, we are perceived then was like that, you know. And uh, I mean, that gave me the, the, the energy to, to go out and say, okay, look, we can change that kind of narratives. Yeah. And having the Chamber of Commerce was, was a very good way uh, whereby we, you know, we, 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 we thought that using um, entrepreneurs, using their business, you know, can do quite a lot in the community in terms of, you know, getting your, your clients, giving back to the community also as a black entrepreneur things like that, that with that, you know, you could, you, you could definitely make a, a good change. And of course, using myself as an example and other black entrepreneurs, at least by the time they come into contact with myself and my other colleagues that have their own business, they will go out with a, you know, with a good, uh, good positive impression so that in future, if anyone should say something like that beside them, you know, they are in a good position to say, no, that's not the case. I think uh, I, I think it's great at the minute. I think there's a lot there's a lot of great organisations doing good work, up, uh, and especially in Northern Ireland, you've got Axonian and uh, people like that. They're sort of pushing, just pushing it, just to generate it to government. They're doing big events. They're promoting their people. You know, I think it's great. In Northern Ireland, there tends to be a sort of discourse that is split into two opposed camps and. People sort of usually fight about those things, you know. Yeah. Um, the idea that rather than cling to your own identity and fight for it, that there could be some sort of a bond of solidarity between different people. Maybe that's something. Yeah. That... Yeah. I mean, it's it stems from you know a very popular and, and people don't really understand this term, Desmond Tutu, who it was his birthday yesterday, the Archbishop. Mm -hmm. He turned 90, but he said Ubuntu. Ubuntu is it means I am because you are. So I am free because the Irish people freed me. And I find that there's something I can do as well to, to you know to repay. And um, if we can grasp that concept, because you know, we cannot limit ourselves when it comes to solidarity. We cannot underestimate the power of solidarity and also the people's stories and how we you know, are all intertwined and how conflict itself is uh, sometimes an reincarnation, but sometimes it's something that is coming back to, to bring ourselves to the thing itself, what we don't want to face. And sometimes um, I find in Northern Ireland, people are afraid of what they don't know what might come out of freedom.
because we have fought so much, we don't know anything else but uh, conflict. So the prospect of not having the peace wars, for example, uh, I have a poem that says, um, you know, let us give love a chance to give our children hope of a world without hatred where black and white walk hand in hand. Let the peace walls come down so that the ghosts of apartheid can be finally laid to rest for peace to remain peace, you know. And just that poem alone, people cannot understand it when I'm saying it. The peace walls can never come down, like, but they are not peace walls, you know. And um, in, uh, in apartheid South Africa, we never had walls funny enough. So it was easy to just walk. It was easy to take the signs down, even though the mental scars are still there, but at least the spaces were open. Throughout this series, we've looked at some of the challenges and barriers facing people of diverse ethnic and racial backgrounds in Northern Ireland, including prejudices old and new and some more structural issues, such as systematic underfunding and the hostile environment fostered by some at a high political level with its knock-on consequences for race relations in general. Reflecting on these conversations, I'm struck by the energy, the gifts, the, the rich contributions, the talents, and the sheer determination brought by some of the people that I've been privileged to talk to for the series. And I'm left with a sense of hope that, to use Nandi Jola's closing words, it's still possible for us to open up spaces into which we can all learn to step together for all our differences. Spaces which, like the strong ford back here in Strangford where the series began, need not be seen as a gulf separating us like two shores, as much as a crossing point capable of bringing us together. Many thanks to Nandi Jola, Leo Brown and Tunde Adeoshan and to everyone else who contributed throughout the series. Visit our website mmeconsult.org for further details, watch the series on YouTube or subscribe to the MME Matters podcast on all the main podcast outlets.